Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Amplify Her podcast. I am your host, Christina Singh, and the Amplify Her podcast is all about amplifying and uplifting women's voices and stories. I am so, so excited to be back with you today with a fantastic interview with a guest who's recently been on this show and who I wanted to come back right away to chat all about relationships. I sat down again with Raquel Race, and it was such a gorgeous conversation. Um, some moments I feel like you you can probably tell I wanted to inquire more um, based on my own personal experience or experiences I've heard from others. And um, Raquel is just such a calming presence, and it was just so wonderful to chat with her. Before we dive into this interview, I do want to remind you that there is an Amplify Her networking group that is taking place next week, next Wednesday to be exact, on August 23rd at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, The Amplify Her networking group is my networking group I launched this year, and it's focused on bringing women together in community to talk about their careers, money, all of the above, balancing everything, just life, but in a serious, focused way where we can really support each other. Um, If you'd like to join, everyone's first meeting is free. So you can feel free to register at AmplifyHerMedia.com backslash networking. I would absolutely love to have you. Um, And if you've joined before, please drop in. Would love, love, love to have you back. Um, Let's get into this interview with Raquel. Enjoy. Raquel, I am so excited that you are back on the Amplify Her podcast. Welcome. Thank you for coming back. Thank you. Thanks for having me here again. I'm so excited as well. Yeah, I mean, I knew literally after our first interview, I was like, there's so much more that we need to talk about and that we can touch on when it comes to relationships and when it comes to our individual personal dynamics with our partners and ourselves. And so I couldn't wait to have you back. Um, I'm going to dive right in because I feel like we have so much to cover. The last time we spoke, we really went through the stages of Mm -hmm. a relationship. And I would encourage if you haven't listened to the first episode with Raquel, please go listen to that because you'll learn about all of the different stages of relationships. Um, But something that has, that I have been paying attention to from when we first spoke until now is there are a lot of creators online that talk about relationships, that talk about the, the back and forth of a relationship, the different way to improve your relationship. But there is one creator, and I do not know her name. I'll, I'll insert it now in while I'm editing for future Christina. Um, but this person talks about, goes through like a day in the life of mm. different types of relationships. And she went through a day in the life of a supportive, loving couple with children. And Mm -hmm. I have a child, I'm in a relationship and I very much, you know, was, I was surprised by how, um, 
mundane, (laughs) a day in the life of a supporting, loving couple was in this description. So it was essentially you wake up, you might say you love each other, you get your kids ready in this way, you go your separate ways, maybe you're texting each other throughout the day, you come home. You're supporting each other throughout like bedtimes. You lie down on the couch. You acknowledge it was a really wild day. Um, You say, I love you. And you go to sleep. (laughs) And maybe you acknowledge you're too tired for intimacy. And I was like, hold on. (laughs) That sounds like my relationship. And like, I was just surprised by how mundane that description was. Um. And it made me think about how often um, we think of supported, loving relationships as being very, very stereotypical and exciting. And when we were talking about the different stages of relationships, you spoke of the, you know, period where everything is new and the period where everything is fantastical and then you have conflict. So I wanted to get your impression of what I just described as a supportive loving couple and like hear your thoughts on that and what you see in your work as people who are in supportive loving relationships versus this fantastical idea of like this every single day you're knocked off your feet with romance. Like I would love to hear from you about your <laughs> impression of, of that. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> yeah, it does sound exhausting. Um, yeah, you're right. You're like every single, the pressure. Um, yes. Um, well, first of all, I am so delighted to hear that you have such a lovely, supportive and loving relationship. Um, that's so nice to hear. And I am, um, You know, I have two thoughts about what you said. First of all, um, the Gottman Institute that I quote a lot, they're they're one of the leading um, organization in in, in the science, the science of long-term relationship and what makes relationship thrive. They have a podcast and it's called Small Things Often. And they really, like, they really talk about that it's the little details of our lives together that make the relationship you know we're so used to grand gestures and romantic romantic and and they're romantic i don't know like gestures but but and there is um there's absolutely a place for that and and actually for the health of a long-term thriving relationship you want some of that you don't want to just be like in the everyday but the majority of our life is those small moments. And what creates the strength of a relationship is those small ways in which we can trust each other, in which we communicate to each other that you matter. I see you, I care for you. We're a good team. You know, we're managing this business called a family <laughs> well together because it really is, you know, it's financial, it's logistics, um, you know, yeah, so so I can definitely see how it can look, um, you know, not like a rom-com, <laughs> you know, not like an right. ongoing dramatic rom-com, which usually have ups and downs, you know, so that kind of 
and you know, and especially actually, especially when you have a young child, like there is, and you're both working, I'm assuming, like there's just so much of life's demands. So maintaining everyone's need and doing it at peace, like that is beautiful. The other thing that I would say is I don't think there's one way for a healthy, loving relationship. Of course. Yeah. I thought the same thing. Yeah. And, and really a, a healthy relationship or I don't know what, I mean, with quotation mark, it's like, whatever works for you, <laughs> you know, whatever works for you, the individual. So it's really about getting inside and seeing like, what is, what is important for me, to me? What is enriching my life? What is making me feel connected? What is making me feel appreciated? What is it th- that you need and working it together as a couple? So you can have, um, I mean, I have heard of people that don't go to bed at the same time and they made it work. Uh, people who work a lot and one partner takes, you know, more of a role of keeping the household and the kids together. And they make, as long as both your needs are being met, as long as you're making these decisions as a team, you know, some people, what you're describing will not be their idea of a, right. of a fulfilling day off in the life of, you know, to me, it sounds lovely. (laughs) Well, it's funny you say that because a lot of people in the comments, you know, similar to me, like my relationship, I will be very honest, has been very challenging since I've had a child. And, you know, we went from being just the two of us to commonly taking care of something else, you know, in our lives, like this human, and we have different approaches. But I think it was so interesting to hear someone describe a day in the life of like a supportive, loving couple in a way that I go about my day. And there were so many people in the comments that were like, wait a minute, (laughs) like I'm in a supportive, loving relationship. Like, and I think there are a lot of misconceptions um, and a lot of like, I think recognizing what you were saying, like, if this is okay for you great if something else is okay for you that's great but I think there's a lot of um chatter um around us that says everything needs to be special all the time in your relationship and um I think that with a small child I often feel like I'm surviving and I'm curious you know when I, I just you know, I just think that's how it is. And when you're working, you're not alone. Well, that's the other thing. Like when, when you're working with clients who have small children, are you seeing that like survival? (laughs) Like, how does that come up? Because I know a lot of the people who listen to the show are mothers. And so I'm curious, like, how does that come up in, in those relationships? Yeah. So again, I just, I'm, I adore and I'm so grateful to how transparent you are. I just think it's so helpful to any young parents out there that are going through the same thing and think that their life needs to be a picture perfect, you know, Facebook feed or Instagram feed. Sorry, I'm dating myself. Um, <laughs> so, um. I love that. And I love that what you're saying that 
you know, that's like also to what you described a day in the life of like, you can have a day that looks something, but you feel right. differently. Um, so there's no like how things looks are not the way, you know, your internal experience is sometimes. And I actually think that these questions are so important and you, um, and it's, it's very well, first of all, I think there's a, there's a book that one of my clients who has a young child, he's two year old and big career. Both of them has big careers. She told me she was reading this book. I cannot remember the title, but it's something about like, how to not hate your husband when you have a baby or something. <laughs> I don't know if that helps you here. <laughs> I uh, I was laughing a lot. And she said the book really helped her. So I- I'm sure I'm butchering the-, the title, but like, again, there's, this is, this is actually one of the most challenging chapters in a couple life when you have, I mean, I, every every stage young kids that are I mean they really need you to stay alive on a moment-to-moment basis and having a career and building a life and you know probably buying a home renovating I mean this is the the growth and expansion time in your life as a couple and it's can get really easy to get completely swallowed by the demands of life and sometimes feel like you're roommates with a lot of logistics to figure out. Yeah. Um, you know, it can, it can and, and, and actually starting being, when couples come to me, it's about starting to being a little more intentional and it doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be big, but if you start feeling, but you know, and, and it really is about how to get out of survival mode and, and actually savor this amazing time in your life. You know, this amazing right. time where your child is not going to be. And and again, not to put pressure, not to put pressure on you. Like it's, it really is sometimes the littlest tweaks, you know, and it might yeah. be having date night once a week or Sunday mornings, it, just those smaller ritual of connections that remi- reminding you um that you're you know that you're lovers and that you're there's another there's another coach I adore her she's very funny she calls it sexy besties <laughs> and again no pressure if you don't want to have sex <laughs> really no pressure I mean really no pressure this is your relationship to design and sometimes you know it's like life is like I'm in survival mode and you want me to like feel hot at the end of the day like no I'm not putting any of that pressure on anyone but it is about starting to look at ways that you can find those um places that nurture that part of your relationship because it's important you know yeah And, and again it's not have to be huge small things make a difference and actually the act of like investigation is really fun you know, you discover yeah. things about yourself and about each other. Like, oh, you know, <laughs> it's surprising to me. I can never give you the answer of what makes a difference for you. Right. Um, well, I yeah. think that, you know, 
I think some of those small things that I've observed in people around me and in my own relationship are just like moments of connection, <laughs> like mm-hmm. just even being able to have simple moments of connection that like you were saying are small moments that are yeah. just often. I think that's such great advice, like small, but often um, is something that really builds up. I mean, with anything in our lives, taking small steps is going to build up to a bigger picture. I'm, I think we had, we had talked about this in the last episode, but, you know, I talk a lot about domestic labor. I talk a lot about how women um, face about four um, hours more of domestic labor a day than men. Um, and that more and more online, we're seeing women bring up the desire to be supported, to state their needs, to have support from, um, their counterparts. And it doesn't have to be a same, you know, like a a heteronormative couple. It can be any, you know, um, any couple, same sex. Um, you know, I think that there is like a disparity in domestic labor in a lot of relationships. And what I've also read is that there is a disparity when it comes to people approaching relationship coaching or relationship therapy, um, where there's more women that reach out to therapists versus men when it comes to taking action around their relationships. And I think a lot of these disparities can, can lead to resentment on both sides. And I want to definitely talk about that, but I'm curious, do you see that in the work that you do? And when are people, when are women coming to you about their relationships? Totally. 100% women are the driver force in this type of um, looking to connect and looking to do things differently. Um, and um, and men, and in my experience, I mean, it sounds, I hate, I hate how it's, I mean, I don't hate how it sounds. Actually, it, I, I don't find it to be a problem. And men can be more reluctant. Sometimes they're willing, sometimes they're not. Um, it's funny. I'm like, I want to tell you so much. I don't know which which place to start. <laughs> um, you know, I want to I want to start with what and I wrote I, I put a note about uh, domestic labor. Women reach out. I'm going to touch on both of them. I think it's going to be really useful for me to back up a little bit and actually talk about something that we started to talk about the, in the end of our last um, conversation. So what you said about moments of connections makes all the difference. Um, so I just really want to say you are not alone in that need. And and actually what the way that I work, when I look at the when I look at a conflict or when I look at couples, I feel like we oftentimes think it's about the issue. And to me, it's always about a lack of connection. We lost the, we lost our connection in like the busyness of life. You know, not be, it really like everything was great. The relationship was great. We were like, okay, that's good. All these other demands of life needs my attention. And then 
the connection is lost and suddenly you can't find each other and you find each other like almost like going in circles so 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 many times you think it's about the thing you know and it's actually really about the connection so my job is almost like I'm tricking people back into connection and I also like really I mean I'm, I'm yeah I'm, I love I'm, that about it yeah I'm like I even have like I have a thing that I do in the first session that is totally tricking them back into connection it always works it works with couples that are like I mean, I've had couples on the verge of divorce come to me like so mad at each other and like I trick them, <laughs> I trick them into connection. I like it. I learned it. You know, I didn't invent it. But I um, but it's just the moment that we start feeling connected again and safe again, there is so much creative solution. There's so much resourcefulness and generosity, and we start seeing each other good intention and just like there, there's so much more available. So my job is is really to bring that connection and re, and and not not even remembering that you're on the same team because sometimes we don't see how we are on the same team. We have a different style of showing love, and that would actually like when we have the men and women conversation. Like I'll touch on that. So 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 one of the things that I work with it's called the love account and again the Gottman Institute I'll quote, I'll quote them a lot they actually research and there's some debates about it now about the exact ratio I don't think it matters that much but they're looking in like the um, there's very um direct predictors of what's going to make a relationship work and in that and it's and they call it turning toward which is those small things often you know, when there's a bid for connection, you actually turn toward each other. And a bid, a bid for connection sometimes look like yelling at you, <laughs> you know, by the way. Like, it's not always, it's not always flowery, you know. So, and, and when someone yells at you, the last thing you want is to, like, turn toward them. But, but it's actually that turning toward and, like, actually getting curious and learning how to communicate in a way that someone else can hear you. But anyway, just to go back to the scientific fact. So, so the first thing I'm going to start with is it's called negative bias override. And our brain is designed for survival. So our brain is always scanning for danger. And our, our brain actually register danger much more readily than we register um, goodness. And we need to be in a state of trust in order to register goodness. Like the, the most simple example that I can give you is if you meet 10 friendly, lovely, cutie pie dogs, and then you meet one dog that bite you, you might start being afraid of dogs. You know, like it takes one dog, it doesn't matter all these 10 cute dogs. So this is how our brain works. So we actually need to have a lot more positive interactions to maintain the positive orientation. So these are where mm -hmm. the small things, and this is what we do naturally in the romance stage that we talked about. Like in the romance stage, you just naturally yeah. just like do nice things to each other and like try to like romance each other, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so part of what we do is we start introducing these small things you know, in later when you're in, when you're in life, you know, you just start actually, you're not waiting to feel a certain way. You actually know that you will take an action and that will make you feel 
that way, you know? And again, it does not have to be big. We know that your life is full. We're not trying to, like, like my work is always about how can you do less and be more effective? <laughs> That's like, right. don't do the thing that hurts. Don't do the things that seeps at the connection and just do the tiny little things. And, and actually some of my work with my clients is looking at like, what are the smallest thing that you can do that would produce the biggest results? The biggest. Well, that's what I was your- going to ask you about yeah. is like, yeah. first I would love to know, like, what's the trick? Is that the trick? Like the, like how no. do you trick people? <laughs> the trick. Oh, I feel like I'm so afraid to like reveal my trade. I'll, we'll get to it. But, okay. but let me just finish my, my train of yeah, thought. Yeah. I- I can, I can, I can, I can let you know. The trick is so silly, but it always works. Um, so there's actually a very um, specific number of what makes a relationship. We call it the love account. And just like a bank account, if you make a lot of deposits, you can make a large withdrawal and you're fine. There's no, there's, you know, it's okay. You have, you have extra. Um and if you just take withdrawals and withdrawals and withdrawals, it's like suddenly like not only you're stressed out, not only we do, you know, suddenly there's punishment, there's late fees, checks are bouncing, you know, you pay. It, it, it was it was stressful to begin with. Now it's really stressful. The same is in the relationship. You know, if you make a lot of deposits, then if you do something a little shitty um you know it's not gonna rock the relationship if the relationship is so depleted if you're feeling so depleted and it can be in the relationship it can be in your life you know so yeah then one little thing can suddenly look like a disaster so this is where we're like we don't want your love account to be low and a lot of what I do in the beginning people are like we have to have this big conversation about like are we compatible and I'm like Mm-mm. we're just we're just feeling the love account now for now we're just re-establishing connection like your account is so low so that's that's really is what we're starting to do I so the, the statistics are that in like regular times you actually want 20 positive interactions to one negative interaction and in times of conflict successful couples would still have five inter five positive interactions to one negative interaction so even if they're fighting like there's still humor they can still laugh they can still like be curious yeah. and be like what do you you know and and it's a skill that can be learned that is the good news you know most of us are like we just we don't have you know we're not oriented to toward that we come with all of our baggage we like our survival brain is on high alert we're just not thinking about um staying friendly um even in a time of conflict so so much of the work is actually starting to understand how each other brain work um starting to understand we spoke about it a little bit before like attachment style like one person for instance like needs to connect and solve the issue the other person might be an avoid avoidance and what does that mean is that they need a little space and they need to regain ground and they need to think about it and can you imagine someone who's just like looking for connection and the other one is with 
withdrawing and the stories that like you start reacting to that, it's not going well. So starting to understand that nobody nobody's doing something against you. Everybody's just like trying to stay safe and do what they know how to do. This is what starts creating the difference. So so even for positive interactions to one negative interaction start to create that rapture that yeah so you can imagine if all you do is just like a lot of negative interactions like the the you know and it's not how we think we don't think about like you know we're like you can't see me I'm gonna complain I'm gonna demand I'm gonna shame you I'm gonna and you and and you don't even understand how much it's hurting the connection that you want um, you know, like here you are really wanting connection and creating the opposite of, of it, like completely innocently and unbeknownst to you. So I don't know if that, to me, that was so illuminating when I first. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. 100%. I think what's so interesting is, you know, those small moments and like understanding what those small moments would mean to your partner is really major. So, you know, for my husband, I know like if I had all the dishes in the sink done and he like came home, he would just be like, oh, that was really great. Thanks for doing that. Like, because he's, he's a bit of a stickler for those, those things. And so I just feel like we all have our, our things. And like, for me, him taking our son out for a couple hours or an hour or something, or like even getting him from daycare and bringing him home, like he does every day. Those are things that, are really positive. Um, but it could be something so simple as like grabbing a fork for your dinner and handing it to you. So you don't have to do it for yourself and like just getting you a cup of water or something like, like those are the little things that I'm thinking of. Are those the moments that you are referring to when you talk about like filling your love account? <laughs> this episode is sponsored by the joy conference. Fall is around the corner and the season is calling for reflection, introspection, and planning the end of your year on a fulfilled and joyful note. I want to let you know that I know the perfect place for you to do exactly that, the Joy Conference. My dear friend Stephanie Vershow is a spiritual coach and she founded the Joy Conference about four years ago and I look forward to this event every single year. The Joy Conference is a two-day virtual event. You get to immerse yourself in a supportive community of ambitious and spiritual leaders who are committed to integrating spirituality and emotional intelligence into their lives. So what does that mean? Well, there are five featured keynote speakers throughout the weekend. They're focused on human design, gene keys, communication, and so much more. These speakers and their workshops are filled with resources, tools, and techniques to support you in your own journey of personal and spiritual growth. It is seriously so phenomenal every single year. And your ticket to the Joy Conference includes amazing perks like a Joy Kit mailed directly to you with crystals, Palo Santo, and a Joy Bracelet from Little Words Project to remind you to always follow your joy. This virtual conference is happening on September 9th and September 10th this year. When you use your code AmplifyHer, again, the code AmplifyHer, one word, you get 25% off your ticket. So join Stephanie and all of these amazing speakers, get access to such a lovely community, and carve out time for you 
your goals and gain confidence in your intuitive abilities and fulfillment in your professional spiritual journey. Once again, use the code AmplifyHer to get 25% off of your ticket. Head to stephanievershow.com to purchase your tickets now. The link is in the show notes and I cannot wait to see you there. totally yeah Yeah. i mean like this is like absolutely and then if you add to it appreciation appreciate like i love the word appreciation because it's so literal it's like what you appreciate appreciates right right to appreciate everything they're doing wrong that appreciates <laughs> you know if that's so true time, that's such a good point like if you're only focusing on the wrong that's all you're going to notice yeah 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 and 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 it's all you're going to get too <laughs> you know like you're going to start like someone is just going to be like fine I can't win you yeah. know like here I am um so so yeah so appreciating each other letting each other know what it actually provides for you we don't know you know we really are different um and and what what's registered like love and care for you might be different yeah for someone else yeah that's so interesting um okay like is now time for the trick can (laughs) (laughs) sure (laughs) i mean it's so silly but I always start with couple asking them about how they met and how they fell in love and what had them fall in love with each other. And, you know, you can be so mad at each other now and you feel no connection, but it's okay to remember all the things that you loved about each other in the beginning. So just being in the presence of your partner and hearing that they saw you and that they adored you and they thought the world of you is so connecting. Like I just see people, I I really see couples just be like, oh my God, that is so nice to hear. And it's almost easier to say because we're talking about something that was so long ago, but our brain doesn't, like our brain doesn't differentiate. Like you said something nice. And sometimes I see couples say like, whoa, I've never heard you say that, or um, it's been so long. Thank you so much. Like, you don't even know how thirsty you are to be seen that way. So this is my trick, you know? I just, like, I, I know that it's too hard in the present to go to all the things that you love about each other, but we can go back. So that's here. Oh, I, I love my- that so much. And I think that's such a great exercise for people to do, you know, with their partner, whether they're seeing a coach or a counselor or on their own and they're deciding that's going to be their date night. Um, yeah, I really love that a lot. Did, did you, do you remember the, um, I think it was in the New York times, the phenomenon where couples asked a certain amount of questions to each other and then they stared at each other for four minutes and that was like an indicator that they were going to get married or like spend spend the rest of their lives with each other or something like that. Or the majority of the couples that did that. Do you remember that? What was your, I, what is your impression of that? I do. I should absolutely read it again because I'm going to speak very uneducatedly about it. But 
Well, first of all, just the ability to be able to, I mean, it's a wild guess. Maybe bring me another time and I'll read it before because I haven't read it in years. But first of all, just being able to look at each other for four minutes. I mean, if we're, if we're looking at connection, like that is an incredible connection. And, 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 and again, that's something that I work with. It's all about connection, you know, just like slowing down. You know, even when you said like, we have this expectation for everything to be special. The thing about it is like everything can be special, no pressure. Um, but special can be just looking at each other and like just looking at each other and like taking in like your voice and your yeah. eyes you know, yeah. while you're talking. It doesn't have to be grand, you know, like that is where those small moments, but actually taking a breath, you know, mm-hmm. actually looking for, so, so, so some of what I work with, it's called, um, it's through uh, the lens of um, positive psychology and strength-based relationships. So it's really about like looking for all the things that are actually good and beautiful and taking them in because we're so scared to take it in when we see red, you know, when we're like, so, so yeah. So if we're talking about the household chores, like a conversation, a conversation that starts with like assuming good intent that starts with like seeing all the things that you already are doing for me is very different than a conversation or you're lazy or you're disrespectful you know it's just very hard to be open and receptive when you feel like you're on the defense um so so if you're looking at so so much of it is about how we communicate and then and then we can come into solution and I actually I always take fear out of the conversation because fear is so subjective (laughs) like this is fair to me. This is fair to you. Like, you're never going to get anywhere if you're like trying to figure out what's fair and actually like be like, what works? What do I need? What do you need? How can we make it work? Sometimes the solution is like, maybe it's better to bring in a cleaning lady, you know, like, so, or a childcare once a week or, you know, something, something. And it, and it, and I know not everybody has the means to do that. Maybe is, you know, bringing my mother-in-law or I don't know, but the solution can always be surprising. But so, so one of the predictors of how a conversation will go is how it starts. So if you start with appreciation, with actually seeing everything that they do, you know, just be like, I so appreciate how hard you're working and that you took Liam, <laughs> you know, for a few hours, it just saved me. And there's something that I really need. I need help with blah. How can we resolve it? It's a very different conversation than how could you do this to me, you know? Um, so really learning about how to talk about it and how to give space. And sometimes the solution is not immediate, immediate but this friend 
friendly orientation toward each other, like knowing that you yeah. are on the same team, assuming that you are on the same team, even if you like you absolutely don't understand why they chose to behave this way, talk this way, like all of it is so offensive to you, just starting getting curious about it instead of jumping to conclusions. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so interesting. Um, I think that, you know, one question I had as a follow-up to that is I think there are a lot of people that post online that um, might not even see maybe the disconnect in um their relationship sometimes. So maybe posting about something that a partner did and that's very common on TikTok. Um and maybe not even seeing like like their partner not even recognizing. There's a very famous video of a woman um unloading laundry. Um and their husband is recording and saying, can you believe this woman had a baby seven days ago? And many people are like, well, why aren't you doing it? And she was visibly upset that this person, like she was having to do laundry. And I think sometimes when I encounter videos like that, or, or when there are conversations about um, supportive relationships and acknowledging this unseen labor and unpaid labor that really does fall and skews toward women. Um, it can be hard to understand how, I mean, it's, it's actually quite easy to understand because we live in a very patriarchal society. And so I think there's a lot of conditioning that goes on. Um, but when there's, I guess I, my question is how do you approach a couple where someone doesn't even see that they're um, not supportive, that they're not yeah. there for their partner. Cause I think yeah. that shows up time and time again. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I just go back to like assuming good intention, um, which is so hard Right, but it's powerful that you responded with that. Yeah. And and again, I, I like sometimes all I do is facilitate safe, safe conversations. And it's really astonishing to see what happens. And I'm going to go back to the question of like women initiating and why men are reluctant. Because I think that one of my... One of my superpower is that men and women feel equally safe in this container. And I see, I see it often. I see sometimes women wanting to do the work and men not. Some, you know, sometimes very rarely it's the opposite. <laughs> but most it, it really is most common. Women's charts. I think, I think again, you just have to assume that the man has a really good reason. And they're probably are afraid um, that they will be ambushed by the coach and their wife. They know that their wife secretly wants to change them and show them how they're wrong. They're, you know, they're like, why would I sign up for that? They don't want to be trapped in endless conversation that leads to nowhere where like all that happened is that they are being shown how wrong they are and they have to like remedy it. So so they, so sometimes what I, and also if someone just like is starting from complaining, like 
you, it's not inspiring. So there's a way to invite your partner that is actually inspiring, you know, and, and a lot of time what I do is either coach the woman on how to invite their partner. And I have seen it so many times that it actually works. Um, and then sometimes if they're not interested, they start to do the work themselves. And when their partners see that they are actually taking responsibility, that their behavior is changing, that they're nicer, that they're more fun to be around, <laughs> that they're not just like punishing and I don't know how to say it, um, like remedying their misbehavior, like they're that they're actually interacting differently. They're like, oh, something, something's good is happening here. I'm I'm I can be a part of that, you know? So sure. So we we when when someone is like just suspecting they're gonna lose, that nothing is gonna work, of course they're not gonna like why would they wanna be exposed <laughs> and go and sure, go and like, I see what you're saying. Um yeah. I think something um, that that is making me think of is the term weaponized incompetence. Um, so that has been flying around pretty frequently where um, there are in couples, there are people that do know that they're capable of doing A, B, and C, but essentially, you know, weaponizing the fact that they're maybe um, not good at something or like not as good as their partner as doing A, B, and C. So, well, you can do it because I'm not as good at it. Or you're just so great at cooking and you're so great at putting together meals. Like I can't make a meal as good as you or something. And then there's like really that disconnect and yet they're doing it so they don't have to. Um, And that's coming up quite a bit in discourse and like inequitable um domestic labor and I'm curious like have you had conversations with clients like that and like has that come up because I think from what I'm hearing you say I think there's always like a beauty in approaching your partner with um like with owning the fact that you're like upset about their actions and you're not trying to like blame or you're not trying to like, you're trying to really approach it as like, I would love for you to understand where I'm coming from versus look at all the bad things that you're doing. And like, you owe me an apology and I'm going to team up with another person to force you to look at all the bad things you're doing. Like, I think that's really important to not do like you're saying, but I'm curious, like, have you seen relationships where there's somewhat like this manipulation almost and this this way of going about a relationship where people aren't taking ownership you know so again one of the I feel like again I want to I want to go in different direction let me I'll, I'll 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 get back to this in a second yes it's actually like one of the first thing that we start with um also in the work is looking at all the ways that we go about getting our needs met that are not getting us our needs met. And it's a, and it's a very, it's a very simple handout. It's very um, black and white. You look at it and you're like, it's like a light bulb moment where you're like, whoa. And, and, and you literally check out, I do this, I do this, I do this. And my need is this, this, this. 
And you're, the only thing that you can do is recognize your own, not each other's. And it's pretty, it's pretty mind-blowing, actually, to see. And it's pretty mind-blowing to see that your partner actually sees it. Um, yeah. Um, but sometimes you don't see it until it's in front of you like that. But back to your conversation about, to your question about not being seen. So this is where, like, sometimes we don't see, you know, we're overwhelmed, we're busy, we're, we're we are caught in that negative bias. We, we don't see, we don't see all the little things, you know, that someone else does. Sometimes actually stopping and showing each other you know, is, and again, it's like, it's how, how we show it to each other. So, so in the conversation, I, I just feel like there's ways and sometimes whatever they do, just, it's like, if it's meaningless to you, you don't gener you don't register it as an act of love, you know, like if for you washing the dishes, like you couldn't care less, like the fact that, you know, someone actually like maybe was like, Hey, I'm going to wash all the dishes and clean the kitchen. And you're like, whatever they didn't pick up my son and they didn't do this and they didn't do that. Then it's like, so sometimes actually starting to see what makes a difference to me, what actually makes a difference to me. You can actually be loved, showered with love and be starving for love because it's not your way of feeling loved. Um, you know, this is where the love languages can come in, which I have, mixed feelings to that I think it's super 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 useful and I think that sometimes actually understanding that someone it's actually useful because like even if someone cannot they just don't speak that love language but like start to see that like they're loving you in so many ways that you're not even registering because it's not you know and starting to take it in and just like be like oh when when he washes the dishes, that's his way to tell me I love you, <laughs> you know, like, right. So, yeah. Um, so, so I don't know. I, I hope that that's helpful. And now I forgot you said, what was the other question? Um, around like weaponizing competence and like manipulation yeah. and relationships. Um Um, you know, I think that weaponizing anything is not good for in, for connection. <laughs> you know, like that is the bottom line. Like just, um, yeah. You know, yeah, I love that answer. <laughs> I don't know anything else to say. You know, we can weaponize anything, and 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 actually, it's when we put the weapons down and we start really um just remembering that we're teammates we're allies we both got into it because we want to make it work um looking for their good intention explaining ourselves to each other like it just makes a difference and sometimes sometimes we need a third person in there you know like sometimes it's almost like i'm seeing it and and, and i actually I work with clients over six months because I feel like you can see it. You can have a big light bulb moment and your brain, your clever, amazing, wonderful, smart brain that had you survive over generation and got you here will sabotage, you know, and it's so subtle. I, I've spoke with, it can be so subtle. You can like think you're giving a compliment 
and there's a little complaint in it that you didn't even see, <laughs> you know? Um, I was speaking with a client of mine and she said how she told her husband, you've been on the phone all morning, can we connect now? And I and we like looked at like, what if she just said, I know you're really busy, I miss you. Can we have a few minutes together? Like just that little like subtle, like you've been on your phone all morning, you know, like like we can have such a subtle forms of criticizing. And, and, and again, like survival, all the compassion in the world, but just like, it's almost like starting to speak a different language. Like we don't even know how many like little poisons we're putting in our sentences and we think it's about again that's where like we think it's about the thing but it's actually about the dynamic and when the dynamic is different then so much so much more is solvable and not everything is solvable you know not everything is solvable and it's actually okay you know like some of it is manageable it's not solvable (laughs) you know like like I think that's so interesting yeah 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 um you know the procrastinators marry people who are on time democrats marry republicans like there's something that you're not gonna (laughs) you know you're not gonna solve but you're gonna you're gonna be like can we live with each other can we make it work yeah yeah definitely i i want to talk about like as kind of the last piece um resentment because i think that we, we spoke about like people that come to you when their relationships are like where you're like kind of coaching them through an end of a relationship or like come to you, put in the effort and then realize their relationship isn't working for them. But I'm curious, like resentment is so, feels so heavy. It feels like you're really kind of like, it almost like I can visualize kind of taking a machete through like a jungle. <laughs> like it feels really complicated. Um, how have you, um, you know, worked with couples through resentment and like, what are some things that people can take with them when maybe they're feeling resentful towards their partner or their partner is feeling resentful towards them? Yeah. So I love your description. I heard someone says that resentment is like taking poison and waiting for someone else to die. (laughs) Um, I thought that that was very accurate description of of the experience because the other person can just like be like, whatever. Um, We are the one like really suffering. Um, I think... um, you know, I, I, again, I take people through processes for just, just facilitating this different conversation. And, and, you know, even what you said is like letting someone know that I'm really upset, like sometimes it's going to sound awful, but sometimes I, I actually skip that part of letting them know that I'm really upset, you know, like learning how to ask for what we need without having to be upset can be really freeing, you know, to just be like, you know, there's something I really need. I know, you know, and I've, I want you to know about, about it. And this is what it would provide for me. Is it possible? It's almost like taking all the emotions out of it can be more productive. 
Um, and then there are processes when there's deep hurts or when there's trust that has been breached, when there's expectation that we're not met, there are ways to express it in a safe way. I feel like I'm almost like going to set people up for failure. You know, like this is like we take an hour and a half. <laughs> we go through it. We go through all the stages. Like we we go through a safe way of saying it. And a lot of it is like kind of like getting it's a different of community. It's a, a way of communicating and a way of listening, like part like one of the components of when it's deep, deep hurts, you know, when you really want to like solve something that is deep, like some of it is like, you actually go and you're like, so, so one of the things I'm not finishing my sentence, but I'll go back. One of the things that I work with is I actually have a feeling sheet and a needs sheet, And I'm like, I'm always like, have your feeling feeling and need sheets with you because we are so it's like we have like a very narrow range of like emotional vocabulary and part of what we're doing is expanding it and also just saying how I feel versus what you do wrong is always more connecting than right. like I feel sad I feel scared it's more vulnerable to to speak like that you know rather than I feel upset you know I feel sad I feel scared I worry um and then you go like, I imagine that you feel, and you actually go into their heart and just be like, I imagine that you feel overwhelmed and stressed at work. And so just this process of seeing each other allows you to hear each other more. Does that make sense? Yes, I think saying? that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, when you're talking to your partner and you're, um, talking with you, you have resentment towards them and you're saying, here are all the things you haven't done, but not acknowledging how you feel because you're observing these actions that can be really hard because I mean, you're going to go into defense mode if you're on the other end of those, <laughs> those comments. Yeah. It sounds like that's what you're saying at least. And and when you have two people that are actually listening to each other, it's just a very different conversation, you know, like right. this is. And sometimes apology, apology is needed. And, you know, one of the, like w- one of the bedrocks of a, a successful relationship is actually knowing how to repair. Um, but again, all of these things are so counterintuitive and I cannot even tell you how many times I see people like, I got this, (laughs) you know, I got this, I'm going to listen to my gut. And I'm like, your gut is, you know, there is like, I mean, I I really encourage everyone to listen to their gut, but sometimes it's our survival brain. It's not our gut. So starting, right. It's like your trauma speaking. Yeah. 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 Um, So, oh my gosh. Well, our flower, our, our flower, our hour flew by. (laughs) Our flower. (laughs) (laughs) Our hour together really flew by. Um, And I feel like we could talk for hours and hours about this. Um, I feel so grateful that you've lent your time again to chat with me and my listeners about relationships and navigating through these pieces. Um, I think it's just a, a process for anything um, when it comes to relationships and, um, if people want to work with you, where can they find you? 
So my website is RaquelRiceCoaching.com and um, they can reach out to me through the website. Um, it's R-A-Q-U-E-L-R-E-I-S as in Sam Coaching. And I give a free consultation so they can reach out to me either with your partner or by yourself. If you need some coaching on how to invite your partner, I'm available to do that. And um, I would be delighted to hear from, from anyone in your audience. Amazing. Raquel, thank you so much for coming back. And um, maybe we can do another episode in the future, just going diving even deeper. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much. And I just want to remind you, if you're listening to this episode, your voice matters and your story matters. And I'll see you on the next episode of the Amplify Her podcast. Bye, everyone. I am so grateful that you've listened to this episode of the Amplify Her podcast. If you're listening to this and you don't follow the show, one thing that would help the show tremendously is if you open that Apple app, if you're listening to it on Apple, click on the title of the show and on the top right hand corner, click that plus sign so you don't miss an episode. Not only does it help me to grow this show, but it helps you to be in the loop when episodes drop every Wednesday and every Friday. If you're listening to this show on Spotify, click on the show title of this episode to take you to the full listing of them and click follow. That way you won't miss a new episode as it comes out. For more information about the Amplify Her podcast, Amplify Her media, and the Amplify Her networking group, head to www.amplifyhermedia.com.